a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am very excited for you to meet them. Now, we have uh, been blessed here at MANA to interview and to introduce you uh, to men with lots of different backgrounds, uh, mostly all um, extraordinary, but only kind of in their ordinariness. You know, we've just had regular guys doing regular things. Uh, I mean, we did, you know, we did have that one time uh, where we had a former NFL All-Pro and Super Bowl champion, Matt Burke. But I mean, everybody who listens to Manu and who knows Burke knows that he really was never that famous anyway. I mean, most of his followers on social media were his own kids, which actually, given the number of his own kids, it does constitute more followers than most people, but, but today's guest, today's guest is a legit bona fide, uh, celebrity really, truly with, with, uh, with almost 200,000 social media followers. Um, but what's cooler than that is that he's using all of his, his influence, uh, all of his, the charisms that he's been blessed with, uh, for good. Um, it's very, very hard to pin this guy down to a job description, <laughs> but uh, he is a he's a motivational speaker. He's a content developer. He's an author. He's a video producer and a host. He's a social entrepreneur. Uh, he's the founder of a of a nonprofit called Skate for Change in the Bay, which is a very, very unique uh, cultural hub in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's part youth development center, part media lab, part coffee shop, part indoor skate park, and just all of it, all of it, as you can tell by the way I'm trying to describe this guy and everything that he does. Uh, it's all brilliant, uh, thanks to his vision, uh, his creativity, uh, and his passion for the positive development uh, of young people. Um, and really of all people, I'd say, I mean, as an old person, I'd say he's got just as much of an interest in making me a better person as he does, you know, teens. So, um, speak for the silent, stand for the broken, uh, isn't just a mantra or a mission for this man. Uh, it is literally part of this man <laughs> tattooed, uh, literally on his arm, uh, but also spiritually on his heart. Um, all of that, uh, and he's also a devoted husband, uh, a very a loyal uh, Cornhusker from his great state of Nebraska, um, a steadfast sushi better, uh, who I've lost to uh, myriad times uh, on on bets with sushi, which I'm happy to lose, uh, and and most well, most importantly for me, selfishly for me, um, someone who I'm I'm really honored to call a friend in in more ways than one. So uh, welcome today's Mana Man, Mr. Mike Smith. Mike Smith. Man, that was, I was like fist pumping. I'm fired up to talk. That was the best intro I've ever gotten, honestly. <laughs> it was. I've had a lot of intros, Jeff, and that one was stellar, dude. I was laughing over here. You're going to have to edit out my laughing. That was <laughs> no, good. I, <laughs> that was good. 
Well, and I really know good. you know Matt Burke, so you can uh, you can I do some grief uh, about that too, and just say yeah, Burke. So but like, hey, I, cu- I, I cut in on him, man. I cut his, his clout <laughs> on on the podcast. I jumped in front. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, it is great. Um, it's great to have you on, man. Uh, Mike, I'm so I'm so excited for people to meet you, but I'm also very cognizant that really, I mean, in, in serious, I mean, yeah, you know, of all of our, man, I guess you're probably the one that, that, that we've got the highest likelihood that people know already. Uh, you've done so much, um, in, in your uh, still short life. I mean, neither of us are that old, um, but you've done even more on, um, to, to create really a, a, a very large platform, uh, to do good. Uh, you are, and I love the fact I'm going to get done with this this is a long uh, setup to a question, um, which then afterwards you're going to go, oh, no, I'm, I'm not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> but for everybody listening, Mike is a big deal, okay? He, he Not just because of the people that he hangs with, uh, which are celebrities and uh, you know, athletes and musicians and, and, and all of these cultural, you know, kind of, you know, sort of, uh, sort of shapers, if you will. Um, but, but you're, but, but you're a normal guy. And so you're this kid who grew up, uh, in a, just a regular old small town smack dab in the middle of the country. How, so that's where I want to start. How, how does, uh, how did you get to where you are? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's kind of a lot, that's a long, that's a big question, but, but let's maybe start a little bit more focused when you were young, when you were a young person, the kind of young person that you are affecting so profoundly now did you ever have any idea that you would be playing at this kind of a stage influencing i mean literally millions of people with such positive messaging no i mean no way not and when i was a kid i wasn't really i think what i grew up in the 90s like truly you know how everybody's like it's the time to throw back the 90s so like everybody's stoked on the 90s stuff like I was an eighth grader in 1996, you know? So like I was really, really in the nineties. And back then, I don't think I thought about being like influential or, or, or an influencer or anything. It was like, you kind of wanted to be either in a punk rock band or a pro skater or like a, like a firefighter seemed pretty cool. Like I don't ever think, especially when I was a kid, like or before the end of high school, I think I started to shape the direction I wanted to go. But pre that, there was never like a, what am I going to do when I'm older? Other than like some sort of maybe like dreams of doing something celebrity status. All kids have, you know, like a sure, pro skater yeah. or, you know, rock star, whatever it was. But that was about as big as I got as a kid. Yeah. Did you grow up though with, with a sense of, you know, kind of uh, either social or civic like service? I mean, was there, you have such a, a deep commitment to doing good in the world was that something that was around the house the smith house when you were growing up whether it was it whether whether it came through church or not was this notion of helping others part of your upbringing no no i i honestly think no it really wasn't it it wasn't my my mom and dad were both um you know my mom like my mom seriously dropped out of high school as a sophomore and my dad didn't graduate, graduated high school, didn't go to college. And so they both just worked a lot. And so my mom worked nights and my dad worked a lot and was gone a lot. And so we were kind of kids in a neighborhood and we, and we lived in Rapid City before we moved to Nebraska. And like my mom's actually Jewish. And my dad was, you know, didn't really believe anything and didn't really have anything that he, you know, just, he just kind of was just agnostic, I guess, in all of it. But we were just kind of like rowdy kids until we moved to Nebraska in eighth grade. 
And that was the first time that church or God or any of it or any of those things ever even like came like introduced into my life period. And I think it was through, it was honestly like, (laughs) I was like the epitome of the dude who was like all the things that you don't expect someone to be like, like what you, you're like Mike now. And then the people who knew me in high school, knew me in middle school were like, whoa, bro. Like, oh my God. Like it's, I'm one of those. Like I'm truly one of those, like really am one of those. Like what, you know, my, I got kicked out of Boy Scouts as like an eighth grader for fist fighting. So my parents took me to the YMCA and the only thing that they could put me in was jujitsu. So I did like competitive martial arts from like eighth grade till I was 13. So I always felt like I was like, well, you can say what you want because you can back it up too. So I was like, yeah really a scrappy kid and then we moved to nebraska and it was just a, such a different culture because i was like dying my hair purple listening to punk rock listening to tupac like you know running around the neighborhood just skateboarding and like i really was like a rowdy 90s kid and then we moved mm-hmm. to a town with no stoplight and it was like that it felt like moving yeah. to like the it was like we moved to the late 80s you know we didn't move to nebraska it was like we ended up in a new era and yeah. i so at, <laughs> at first the only way out <laughs> was the church groups, you know, it was like ski trips, church group, mission trip, yeah. church group, like ad- adventure camp, church group. So like if I had to be a Baptist or whatever, to, you know, Lutheran, whatever it was, go somewhere, <laughs> whatever it was, man, FCA, you name it, I'm going, you know, oh, it was, like, was kind of like a way out. And then, you know, and so you, I, I do remember like very, very vividly, like an FCA. And it was, uh, it was the basketball coach who he's actually the coach at a a high school in, in Omaha now, but he was in, out in our small town, but he was kind of the FCA area guy. And he talked and it was like the first person that was ever on a stage in that arena that like actually had like a, a personal connection to me because we, we'd never beat him in basketball. So I kind of like, you know, those coaches from other towns, you kind of revere them. And then he opened up about his life and it was like, you know, his past and his kids and it was like his faith and his journey. And he just like actually connected to me on a human level and I just went up and talked to him for a really long time afterwards. And it was probably the first time anyone had ever like talked to me about God in a way that like I could comprehend it, you know, where it wasn't yeah. like a checklist of things that seemed really intimidating to like a 16 year old kid that's Jewish in a town of 1900 people in Western Nebraska, you know, yeah. it was like right, a very right. intimidating topic. And then he made it accessible, but FCA was kind of my like in into service. And then, and I've told this story from stage a million times like my senior year was like a a myriad of like becoming a believer my dad getting diagnosed with cancer and then i met this kid in our town who was just like needed a friend and i think i needed an excuse to start over and just spending time in somebody else's world like his was like uh it all it became like family to it to to, it's it's taken on some sort of like family like rooted in my re rebirth of who I am kind of like ever since 18, I just can't think of who I would be without like that chip on my shoulder yeah. for the underdog. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just kind right. of, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to say it. I just feel like I started with that and it's never, it's just fueled so much of who I've been, but it was honestly like the introduction was like, how do you get out of this town? It was like, Oh, they're going snowboarding. <laughs> and you're like, all right, you're Lutheran for three weeks. Let's go. Like, what do we got to yeah, do? Exactly. You know, that, that was the start, you know? So did you ever have, you know, you hear of folks that, and not that you ever were like, you know, in the depths of, of life and like living a a life of, I mean, if the worst thing you had was, 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 you know, a longboard and and some, you know, green hair or something. I mean, that's not, that's not gonna, it's not like you were a menace to society, but, but, but did you, when you look back, do, do you feel like, 
did you have like an actual kind of like a born again kind of experience or was it a more gradual, like almost uh, like a becoming kind of a thing, you know, where over time influence of this, of this guy that you're talking, this coach that you're talking about, maybe influence of other you know people that you're hanging out with. D- did you, did it, was it more of like an emergence into something or was there like ever this sort of like, you know, kind of cold sweat thing where you woke up or, or, you know, kind of this like, Oh my gosh, like, like I'm saved kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> right. Right. No, mine, mine was very, um, I don't do well with like, like all, a lot of talk, no show. I mean, I think you've known me long enough to know that like, yeah. that's not going to fly in my world. And so totally. anybody who was like lip service about it, I just was like, no, like I'm not interested. But mm-hmm. what was really interesting <laughs> was if you, if you read the Bible, like that did seem like lip service, you know? And it was kind of interesting how like, like imagine being like the first time and we can get into this, like what well, we a little bit later, but like the first time I opened the Bible and like really read the old Testament was when I ended up in Bible college, my freshman year, you know, of college. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't have this, like going to Sunday school, like learning these stories and like hearing these things. And like, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't have, you know, growing up, like getting told this stuff. Like I remember like hearing like the, you know, like the story of Jonah and the whale for like the first time at like 17. And you're like, wait, what? Like, let's, let's okay. What? You know what I mean? And you're yeah, kind of right. like, right, you know, so you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. You know? And it's like my first Sunday school experience is like, probably not for the mana podcast. You know what I mean? Like, it's like such a, <laughs> I have like the gnarliest first Sunday school experience ever. You know what I mean? And so like, I didn't come into it very, very orthodox. So for me, it was like, I, I honestly started falling in love with, I mean, truly dude, I fell in love with things like the book of Acts and I fell in love with things like yeah. Philippians and Ephesians and like people living like the, this different way of like this, like non-selfishness. I remember the first time that, uh, I read Philippians two, three, which is like, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider everyone else better than yourself. And I was like, I remember the first time I heard that and you're just like, Oh, that is like, not the way you wake up and walk out the door. Is it, you know what I mean? And you're just like, no, you don't. And you're like, so there's probably like a hard, real truth to that. And it's like, okay. You know what I mean? And it was like, things like that, where you're just like, you're like le- listening to it. And you're like, that yeah. seems so, if this is true and people live like this, how great would the world be? You know? And so right. I always have these weird things where it's like, I didn't grow up in doom and gloom, turn and burn, like fire and brimstone, yeah. any of that. Like I just none of that was even like introduced to me. Cause like, you know, when you go to youth group in like small town, Nebraska, like you're some, you know, your Wednesday night dude's not like starting with like, <laughs> Leviticus or something, you know what I mean? Like you're way, <laughs> you're way farther past right, that, right, you know, like right, it's a right. different conversation. So right. I just think I, I really got introduced to like service and kindness and giving. And I was sort of an underdog in a town where I didn't fit, who was like looking out for underdogs. And I, mm-hmm. and I could always kind of, I don't know, I could fend for myself, I guess you could say. So I never, you know, I don't know. I was never, uh, eh, eh, being an outsider to like the faith world and coming in in high school, you see a lot of people who are there because everybody else is there, you know, yep. and like yep. you kind of have to be there. And so when you're a person who's choosing to be there, your perspective is just so different, you know. But yep. like I remember a time like I'd see my name on like the the whiteboards in, on in the town, like on all the different youth groups in town, you know, like the, the youth groups would be like praying for you, you know, by name or whatever, because you're like the one kid in town who didn't go to church. And so like, you'd be on like different, yeah, let's, different yeah, youth let's groups. Save him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're like, 
literally aware of that while you're on the ski trip, you know? So you're like, oh God, like this is going to be so uncomfortable <laughs> at some point, you know? <laughs> so those were just like, I just had such an unorthodox yeah. introduction to it. You know, my mom would come to church because she, my mom trusted me with the party crowd, not with the Christian kids. Cause she like grew up in Venice beach, you know, as like a hippie in the seventies. So like the Midwest Christian kids to her were terrifying. You know what I mean? And so it was like, I just had such a different, uh, parental conversation at home about church. And so my whole entire ecosystem of just faith was so different from most people because yeah. of just when I got introduced to it and kind of the like circumstances around it, I guess. Yeah. I think what's cool though, and you know, you bring up your mom and, and I'm reminded of a story that you tell of your mom who, you know, um, amongst the many lessons that she taught, I remember one that you, you tell a story of, you know, you had, kind of gotten sideways in high school and you very successful athlete and, you know, kind of, you know, went from kind of the green day t-shirt wearing, you know, weirdo, you know, on the skateboard to all of a sudden you're like, you know, kind of the big man on campus and, and I'm totally hacking your story, but just to get to the point <laughs> when your mom sat you down and said, I don't think this is who you want to be or something. Yeah. And said something yeah, yeah. and it just cut to your heart, mm -hmm. which is essentially your mom, you know, was whether you, at the time realized it, but I'm sure I know you do now. I mean, she was, she was an angel. She was angeling to you right there and stepping in and helping you see sort of, you know, kind of the, you know, both the air of your ways, but also the right path. And so I think what's cool is that, you know, you're, you're able to make those connections to those influences at that time in your life that, that are, that were, I mean, they were holy, you know, now it didn't matter if you were showing up at a certain church at a certain time, reading a certain thing, but you know, I just, that's what I love about, about the essence of you is you're able to confidently make those connections today, you know, and see that. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I am, I would definitely consider myself to be the product of that like slight finger of God, putting people in your life to be like, we've got to help this guy. You know what I mean? Where it's <laughs> like, there's been so many, incredible adults or mentor types who have come in at really important times and have like said hard things or true things or good things, you know, and it's always in love, but like, that's, that's, I don't know, maybe that's kind of my like affinity to pass it back on to the next generation has been some of just like the grad, that's like my gratitude for the gift I've received of some of the like encouragement or coaching or whatever that I've gotten over the years from the mentors or people in my life, you know, and my mom's definitely one of those people who's, you know, she's like a, she's a very, you know anything about Jewish women, you know that they are very, very <laughs> like she's going to tell it how it is in her head yeah. every time. And she was very much that way. But my mom would, man, she she is a woman of faith. She is like giving her life to service overseas. She would come to church for for the first like year. She came to church and sat in that tiny little town on the back steps because she like of the church like in the back because she didn't even feel like she could like sit in church. And she would just like listen because she just didn't, you know, she was so she grew up so disconnected from it, too. And so. But yeah, my mom is, has an, I, and Titanic, it's her faith is just through the roof, but she is an unbelievable woman who definitely tells it how it is also. Yeah. Who were some other, you talk about this coach that you had and, um, you know, since our whole, <clears throat> our whole vibe here is about men of faith and, and men that help other guys just, you know, kind of be the guys that they want to be. Who were some other guy role models to you, you know, whether yep. it was before that or after that, who are some other men that you can kind of think back to that really kind of helped shape who you are today? 
Yeah, and there's it's one, and it was my he my college basketball coach was hands down the most influential man in my life from a faith perspective and a you know a moral perspective, a work ethic perspective, just so many things. He he held me accountable on leadership levels that no one else had before, and he really was truly the most impactful person. And he's still a a dear friend of mine today. But he is by far he was the de- he was the dean of students at this Bible college that I went to, and he was also the the head basketball coach but this dude was like everybody thought he was like uh in the military or in the army or for like former navy or whatever he was so like strict and stern and scary the first time my little sister met him she literally cried when she shook his hand because she was like so intimidated by his just like intense aura you know and then i come rolling in this like bleached blonde skinny scrappy kid that's like i'm probably gonna start just like cocky and doesn't know anything and we were like oh we 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 yeah, we were just perfect for each other. It was like the perfect, we needed each other so bad at that time, but he was such a great mentor and still is such yeah. a dear friend today. That's cool. That's great. Um, how, you know, you, you, you mentioned, you know, all of these people in your life that sort of like, you know, kind of were, you know, kind of, <clears throat> kind of guiding you along the way and whatever. And then, and then all of a sudden you do get to, you know, and then, or, well, let's fast forward now to today where you are, you're playing that, that role in mass, um, where, you know, and you, and you probably wish you had more time to actually be more of that one-on-one mentor. Cause you're so, you're such a great connector to people and such a gift to people who are able to know you personally, but you're, 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 you're reaching more young people through things like, you know, big speeches that are, that are, that are addressing a thousand kids at a time or, or video, you know, content or podcasts that are reaching tens of thousands, if not, you know, even more at a time. When did you, when did it click for you that this is what I'm going to do? Or did you just find yourself naturally like in those moments where it like, again, did it, did it just sort of like happen? And you're like, how this, you know, I guess I'm doing this. Or was there a conscious kind of decision to say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm going to go do it. Uh, okay. Here's what's, here's, what's really funny. And I, I, I <laughs> it's so funny that I get to talk to you about this right now specifically because <laughs> of the work relationship we have had, but this is a hilarious thing that I guess the, I, the way I look at it is I think that I have always just done the same exact three or four things in my mind. I've just kind of tweaked the approach a little bit and I'll tell you exactly what I mean. I got hired on as a youth pastor at this mega church here in the Midwest. And it was one of those like house groups every Wednesday night and they're all over the city kind of situations, like hundreds of kids, you know, and that was just the high school, one of those kind of situations. And it was like, how do you teach so many people that are spread out across all these multiple things and make sure that the quality is there. And like mentors were struggling to have the same conversations week in and week out. And I was like, this is like, I'm talking like 2008, probably, man, you know, and I was like, I think you make videos. I think we should sit down and record videos and like <laughs> talk to the kids and we can show them in the house and we can give all the house group teachers these quite like, so we're, I'm talking like, you got to put the mini tape in the recorder and then you got to wait 14 hours to render it off the situation. <laughs> right. I'm talking, you know what I mean? Like it was a deal to get like yeah. this off the jump and you're like, okay, you know, and so I, I started and it was, this was the most life, this was probably the most life changing teaching thing for me but i i we what my approach to that video my very first video series project i did was different books of the bible and it was for the youth group so we could do it but the most life-changing one for me was uh oh yeah man i did the whole book of acts luke 
wow. Philippians. Do you thing. still have those? Are those? No way, dude. These are probably anywhere? literally on like, I don't even know how you'd find. I don't even. Let me dig. I'll have to that dig. I I will text you. I found a hilarious clip, like a clip of this that uh-huh. is like me. I found one clip. I'll show you that is you will die. You're going to die. It's so funny. <laughs> I look like I'm in high school. Like I shouldn't oh, be doing good. this, you know, but the, the, the most life-changing one for me was I did, and I got to teach through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, like front to back whole thing. I got to break it down and oh. really just talk about in depth, all the different, like all the different things that you can chase with your life and what kind of like successes those might have, but what kind of like emptiness those things bring is what a lot of that book kind of talked about. And if you really get to dive into it, and read that book and then try to connect it to youth culture, which has always been my job. It's like, how do you make this thing that is typically dreadfully boring to young people come alive in a way that they're going to want to connect to it and like relate it to something, you know, like that's kind of always been what I've been asked to do, you know? And so I just started doing it that way. And then it was like social work job. And it was like, I've got all these kids in these captive places that have to have this message about character. And it was like, and they're in the Mm -hmm. court system. And I was like, I could probably make videos. And so you just <laughs> bust out videos. And then it's like my, fir- my first ever, how are you going to be a speaker? Like I didn't know how to get out to the world. I was like, I think I'm going to record a five minute video, burn it on a DVD. And we're going to ship this video to just like every principal within like a 10 hour driving radius. And that's like how my speaking career started. It was like, I made this video, sent it out to everybody. And then we got a state farm grant to make one video and then, you know, me, I was like one video. I was like, we're making 30 videos, sure, not yeah, one video. Right, and so yeah, yeah, we yeah. made the first season of the Harbor. And then wow. I was like, who needs this? I was like, this is yeah. too good for me to just like shop out on YouTube. You know, I was like, somebody yeah. needs this. And then that when the day I came walking into the office with you guys and my yeah. motley crew of content creators oh. and people who had to buy shoes for the meeting, you yeah. know, and it was like, I was like I six love, years yeah. ago. I love that story. So basically you're a one trick pony. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I do. I think so. I I mean, now, you know, and I'm just really good at it now, you know, it's like, now you're like, well, the guy can, you know, it's like, sometimes you can only shoot three pointers in the corner, but that pays off sometimes really well, you know, know it. Reggie uh, Reggie Miller made a career out of that. So totally. I'm cool being Reggie. I don't need to be MJ. I'm cool being Reggie, you know? Well, I mean, you know, I love, I love your humility and the people that know you who are listening, uh, know that there is, there is much more, uh, there's much more to that, that story than, than how you're depicting it. But, but the very nature of you seeing the similarities and, and being even just by the tone of your voice, being very uh, grateful and, um, and humbled by those opportunities to, you know, to, 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 you know, you say it's the same kind of, uh, kind of approach. I, I see it as just the essence getting out in different ways, you know? And so, and somehow it's going to get out. And and what's so wonderful is that, uh, you know, we've all been blessed with different charisms, different gifts, and we're all so lucky that you, you found yours, uh, early enough in life that you've been able to now affect the lives of so many others kind of with it. So, um, I love it. So I've got one, I've got one more kind of a little bit of a heavy question before we we're, we're about ready to get to the fun segment. Um, and, um, and which, which listeners, uh, our guest today is very unique, uh, when we get to the fun segment. So that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a long tease there, but I've just got one kind of quasi heavy, um, question that I've been dying to ask, especially in the context of manna, you know, cause this is where we talk about, you know, we talk about faith and spirituality and, and, and people being comfortable in it. You interact more. Um, I'm quite certain 
with with young people today um, than anybody who listens to this podcast uh, outside of our own kids and, and nieces and nephews. I mean, you're you're seeing every type of of teenager in every corner of the country, if not the world. And and I'm just I'm curious to know, you know, when you read about youth uh, and faith today, it's very dire. You know, it's very you know, no, it's this godless generation. Nobody's going to church. Nobody cares. Uh, they're very spiritual though, um, and they're very. And the irony that I'm seeing is I I am reading these headlines about how how you know unchurched this generation is, and yet. I don't know that I've ever seen a generation that is more socially uh, and culturally uh, aware and and conscious and you know kind of open and caring and so it's all of these these sort of virtues that mm-hmm. we would typically ascribe to some kind of faith tradition uh, and yet and yet it, they're not being ascribed to it so I'm just wondering how you've seen that play out or maybe a different way of saying it. Is that the case? Like, is that what you see? Are those the young people that you're seeing? Um, or is it different? I, I, here's what, here's what I think is, and I I referenced this earlier and so I'm just going to go back to it. And this is, is probably an, an, I don't know, maybe a different kind of answer that you would get to this. But like, if you look at the book of Acts, like if you just, read it. You know what I mean? Like if you dissect it and go like, okay, I'm going to be a human inside of the the time that this was written, living like this. These are the people just like right on the heels of everything. You know what I mean? This is like the mm-hmm. first, first gen Christianity out the gate. Like, how do we do this thing? You know what I mean? That's like, <laughs> like, that's like what, that was like what it was, you know, we we're like, so you, you look at that and you read what they talked about. And it was like, they came and Jesus came to be like this, show up at the building to listen to the thing like that whole thing he was like we're done with it and it looks like this and then you go read acts and it was wild it was really wild like acts is kind of radical and i think that what seems to me be happening is kids don't want and don't identify with the show up to the institution to listen to the message and that's the box that gets checked like i don't think that works for kids anymore you know it did for me it really did like that was kind of what it was. And then it was like, I got the occasional missions trip or the occasional snowboarding trip. And that was like all I knew about the world yeah. in my little town, but not today. And I mean, these kids got, these kids are taking down presidential rallies on TikTok. Like yeah. they know way more than we knew as a younger generation. So if the church is going to reach young people, they've got to think like young people and, 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 and understand young people. And I think you hit the nail on the head when like, Never before has a group of people have been more socially aware. There's 14 year olds on the cover of Times because she's worried about climate change. You know, like the 14 year old on the cover when I was a kid would have had to either been a gymnastics star or a pop star. That would have been it. Like that was it, you know? And it's like, but Greta's there for for social reasons. And so I I just think that, you know, as, as, as anyone listening to this that wants to appeal to youth, if that would be your objective, I would say the issues of the heart are typically the things you need to listen to. And if young people are consistently saying, this is what's on my heart, if it's not what was on your heart as a kid, or if it's not what's on your heart now, or it's not the way that you know how to relate to kids, I would say, and I, Jeff, you know me, I'm the first person to be like, what do the kids say? And then I'm like, then we need to go do that. You know what I mean? And then I try to find the, the best, safest, most appropriate, culturally relevant, like it's gonna work for everybody way to do that. But it's like, what do the kids say? I'm going there every time. Cause they know, cause that's what's next. And I just, 
I think big institutions, little C church, you know, has a hard time following sometimes these, these cultural trends of just how do you, how do you speak to the heart of young people? Cause you know, like when you were a teenager, Jeff Peterson, you were, you would have been the most radically wild believer of all times if we would have thrown you back a hundred years, you know? And it's like, just, you know, it's like, it's just, kids have fast forwarded so quickly because of the internet, you know, and, and just the progressive mentality that they can have just because they can see things quicker than we could. And I just think sometimes school has a hard time keeping up with the heart. Church has a hard time keeping up with the heart. Like some of these institutions that really are need to connect on a more than just an academic level, don't have experts in the room to do it either. And then that's where you have this, like, yeah, I, I mean, I remember like, Laugh, laughing hysterically the first time I heard worship music being sung by my friends in church because I like couldn't believe my friends were doing that. I was like, "What are you guys? Yeah, what, what are yeah. you doing? Like, we don't sing these songs. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean?" And it was like, yeah. and that was that was like 1997, you know. And so fast forward to 2020, and it's like kids are getting famous on TikTok, and then it's like, and then you go send them to like a Sunday morning experience that doesn't connect, you know. And that's not to say that it's some kids don't connect with church. I'm not trying to generalize all kids. Some kids love going to church. I talk to kids all the time who have an unbelievable connection to church. You're, you know, I meet amazing kids, like you said, from all diverse walks. But I do think the, the, is there a falling out? And is there a reason that a lot of youth aren't showing up? I do think it's like, you've got to listen to young people if you're going to attract young people. And yeah. that's where the pay dirt gets really hard. You know, it's like hard to, and you know, I mean, it's hard in business. It's hard in, yeah church it's hard everywhere yeah but you know i and i love how you you're identifying the and it sounds so simple but it's the hardest thing to do is to really and whether it's connecting with young people or old people or business or nonprofit, it's it is listening it's listening Mm -hmm. and and then being able to respond and at, at a human level you know we have the we have the good fortune being individuals to be able to adjust things like the way we talk or where we go or, or how we, you know, how we socialize or, or so that, or, or, or do we, do we, do we, uh, can we make time to spend more time with somebody, you know, so we can actually make those relational connections with people a lot easier than these institutions can. Cause now when right. you're trying to move a whole, you know, whether it's a church or a school or a, or a, or a, or a city, you know, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. what you're saying and why you're so successful is you are, you're bringing that, that individual relationship based, uh, connection and you are, you're demonstrating it on a, on a larger scale, you know? And I think that's why not think, I know that's why you're able to make the connections you are. And, uh, I think that's what, guys like me and, and, and even, you know, even, even, uh, people way outside of, of, of our, of our realm can really, can really learn from that. You know, I think that's, I think that's, that's your gift. That's your gift. All right. Well, um, um, as I said, we are, that was the heavy question. Well done. Uh, now we're to the fun <laughs> segment. So now it's just all fun. Now, the one thing I, I did, I, I teased this earlier. Uh, so for mana listeners, for the loyal mana listeners, all all three of you out there, you know that uh, that the fun segment questions uh, for every guest that we've had on Mana, and we're this by the time you're listening to this, listeners, this is season three, so this is the third season of Mana, um, and so we've had a lot of guests, and every single guest has been given 
the fun segment questions in advance. And, uh, and earlier today, as Mike and I were prepping, uh, for this, uh, for this, uh, airing, I said, Hey, um, now you have the three questions, right? And Mike said, ah, let's just wing it. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I initially thought, no, because that's not the brand. That's not, that's not how we roll here on Mana. <laughs> but then I thought, you know what? Why not? This will be kind of fun. So this is the first time that a Mana guest has legitimately uh, not, it, it doesn't even know what these questions are. It's not because others have been given the questions and they've chosen to ignore them, which is different than, than <laughs> being given them at all. So this will be kind of fun. And I have great confidence that, uh, that uh, Mike, you will be able to, uh, knock these out of the park. So there's only three and they're fairly straightforward. The first question, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out for the day, okay, nothing doesn't have to be anything special, but you got the whole day that you're going to spend with Jesus. What are you going to do with him? I mean, I really want to like, do we have to, do we get to do Jesus things where he's like, bam, we're in another Place. sure you know you what know i mean anything. Like, yeah he's jesus yeah i mean it's oh you know. dude i'm like first of all i want to be like can we go back how far back can we go and i would start seeing like if we could go see some stuff in time i would probably go time machine jesus for a significant <laughs> part of the day so i would say we i don't sleep either so i get 24 hours so i'm gonna break this down for you by hours so i would go with at least a, at least a third of my day i'm going time machine jesus for sure the next third of the day i would probably just be like I have so many questions, man. What does this mean? Like, you know what I mean? I would just be like, I really just want to ask you questions yep. about all yep. of it in general, the biggest picture. I feel like that would be phenomenal. And then honestly, I would want to see just how gnarly, like he got to walk on water. That was seemed like the JV game. I want to see what kind of crazy stuff we could get into <laughs> for an entire third of the day to be like, you guys want to know what me and Jesus did? You've been skydiving. Listen to what me and Jesus did. And then that would be the other third of the day. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I'd probably go with those awesome. three things. I love it. That's great. That's great. All right. Question number two. Uh, fun segment question number two. Uh, if you could go to church uh, with any other guy, living or dead, uh, and could be famous or not, you don't necessarily have had to have known this man, uh, but you could have, um, who would you go to church with? Do we just have to sit by, like, do you, is it like a, you sit beside each other and you just listen to a message? Like, what yeah. are the, do you yeah. get to go to brunch? Do you like, do we get brunch afterwards or is sure, it like over you can, Yeah, after? it can be a, yeah, oh, you yeah. can kind of debrief. Yep. But it's cool. But, yeah. But, but it's going to involve Steve Nash. Uh, going... Steve Nash. No question. Oh, cool. Steve, Steve yeah. Nash. Okay. No question. Yeah. Just such a, such a miss, such a, like a unorthodox person in his space for so many reasons, you know, yeah. like he was, and he was my, like, I was in college playing basketball when he was there and I've just always really looked up to him and now he got a new head coaching job and I'm really stoked about it. But yeah, I would say Steve Nash is my, like, I've met a lot of people never fanned out, went to go get like an autograph from Steve Nash at a, at a, like a son's nuggets game. Cause it was close, you know, Amber bought me tickets and like, just, she has like a photo of me with like my mouth open, like an <laughs> idiot, like an idiot, man. Like I had nothing. And I was yeah. like, I'm cool. What is this? Like, what just happened? And like, zero so i'd like a redo on that and yeah i'd say steve nash that's awesome i love it all right last question and this one is uh, i'll tell you this is going to be a hard one for you to answer just because of the nature of your work and you've uh, you've been in positions you're in a position to do this every single darn day uh by uh, on a factor and on a scale that 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 none of us have but uh, nevertheless the question is if you could give a piece of advice 
to a young man, um, you know, just kind of coming into his own kind of back. So circa in your life, back when you, you know, moved from Rapid City to, to, to Nebraska. So at that kind of stage, um, and the advice is around, you know, being comfortable in, in faith or comfortable in pursuing faith and just, you know, feeling confident about it. You know, um, what, what would that advice be? My, my advice would be put yourself in a position to use it and to need it and to have to have to rely on it because it just becomes head knowledge. If it's not something that, that actually becomes like I've got dirt under my nails in this space. And so whether that means you've got to put yourself in a position to defend it, you put yourself in a position to share it, you put yourself in a position to build community around it. Like, I don't care what that looks like. It just means don't just proclaim it, make it a profile status that you check and a thing you do like between two to four hours a week, depending on what kind of town you live in, like Mm -hmm. put yourself in a position to make it a part of what you do, not just what you think. And I think you'll learn more in your early years than you can ever imagine. And I think that's, that's where I would tell, that's why I tell young people face to face every day. Kids come up to me every day and ask me that question truly. And I always say, the question I get from kids is, are you a Christian? And then I go, why would you ask me that? And then they say, because the things that you do and the things that you talk about sound like you would be a Christian. And I say, can I ask you a question? And they say, yeah. And I say, do people ever come up to you and say, the things that you do, the way that you talk, the, the way that you sound, like, are you a Christian? And if they don't, maybe you should think about what you do and what you say and how you act and the way you treat people. Cause that's kind of the goal, right? Is yeah. that people can tell, you know? And so I, I really try to encourage young people to, to not just make it lip service, you know, and make it something that's genuinely kind of action driven and, and, and not because it's, you've got to check a box of action. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you put yourself in the arena, you start to learn about yourself really quickly. And yeah. if you want to pursue something, you know, I'd say the same thing to a skateboarder. Like you can't just watch skate videos. Like you got to get on the board, bro. And yeah. so I'd say the same thing about faith. Like you got to get on the board. That's great. Oh, Mike Smith. I've had a smile on my face this entire 42 minute podcast. And my, and my face is literally sore. Um, I've just, <laughs> uh, it's been so wonderful. And I'm just, again, I'm so grateful. Uh, we've been, I've been blessed to know you now for over six years and, Honestly, every time we talk, every single time we talk, um, I, I, I learn more about you. Um, I know this sounds overly poetic here, but I actually learn more about me. And you are just a very, very uniquely gifted man. And I just, I can't thank you enough for, for being on MANA and just for sharing, sharing what you have been blessed with, with so many others. So thank you so much. Of course, brother. Thanks for asking, man. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.